0: Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Carmen Pugliafito, and I'm here today with Roger Goldberg of Bay Area Retina Associates, based in Walnut Creek, California. Roger, welcome back to Retina Synthesis.
1: Carmen, great to be back uh, here. You've done a great job uh, with this podcast, video podcast.
0: So uh, at the ASRS, you talked about geographic, geographic atrophy progression in the Derby and Oaks trial of Pagsidica Plan and we'd like to talk to you a little bit about that paper.
1: All right, yeah, great. The, um, so I presented um, the, uh, data from the 18 the month result. So as you may recall, the primary endpoint for Derby and Oaks was change in G, GA lesion size at month 12 that had previously been reported. Now we followed the patients out further. We've got month 18 data at some point Probably in the next month or two, we should actually get some of the month 24 data starting to trickle in to see what's happening over time with these patients. So, this is all an analysis of, of uh, month 18. And a couple, I think, new new data facts came out here. First of all, the um, patient disposition was reported. There was an editorial, I believe, in ophthalmology or ophthalmology retina, uh, kind of critical of some. Cri- Clinical trials when they don't report patient disposition and concern about, hey, was there a difference in the um, you know, kind of statistical analyses because some patients are more like might be more likely to drop out. And so the patient disposition across Derby and Oaks, across both monthly, every other month in Sham uh, were really identical. About 80 plus percent of patients across all the arms completed. Um, Completed uh, the month eighteen uh, visit and were included in the in the analysis. There was a small but insignificant impact from uh, COVID nineteen, and importantly, no difference between sham and monthly or every other month. the um, The compliance with with treatment, again, whether you were monthly, every other month, or sham, was excellent and and really equal across all all the arms of both Derby and Oaks high 80s, uh, like 88, 89% uh, compliance with treatment. And then we shared um, both the uh, the month 18 kind of top line result, which was just that it, it continued to slow the uh, growth of GA um, in both Derby and Oaks. The results of course have been consistently more impressive in Oaks than in Derby. And we saw that at the month 12 data. And then some of the other um, clinical trials, um, drugs on, in development, rather than using the actual kind of uh, mean change in GA lesion growth, the actual lesion growth, they do what's called a slope analysis where they kind of take points at, you know, month zero, 6, 12, and 18, and they calculate the slope between those points. And when you do the slope analysis, uh, it's really identical uh, to the way that the palace has been reporting it. But I think uh, Apollos was uh, eager to get this data out there that kind of whichever way you cut the data, it really looks very similar, about a 13 or 14% reduction in GA lesion growth at month 18 in Derby, and about a 16 in the every other month, and 21% reduction in the monthly arm of oaks. And those are very consistent, kind of whichever way you slice the data. But the real thing that we wanted to ask, because... You know, when you think about these growth curves, Carmen, as you know, that curve represents the average of every patient. But within GA, there are patients we know that grow faster, their GA grows faster, and there are patients that grow slower. And ultimately, what we want to do is to say, hey, can treatment with pegsetocopelin shift patients from a fast growing phenotype to a slow growing phenotype? Because wouldn't that be great if we could really slow down the disease? particularly in those patients who have the fastest growing disease. And so we divided patients up into quartiles. We lumped all the patients, whether they were assigned to monthly, every other month, or a sham, into quartiles of, of growth. So the Q1, or the first quartile, those were our slowest progressing patients. And Q4, uh, the fourth quartile, were the fastest growing quartile of patients. And then we looked at the distribution of these patients by... Um, uh, by by treatment. And what we can see is, um, and unfortunately we don't have uh, the actual slides here, but what we presented was that we see a shifting of patients who are treated with peg from the fourth quartile. uh, So we see a reduction in the proportion of patients in in the fastest growing quartile and an increase of uh, patients treated with peg in this lower growing quartiles, Q, quartile one and quartile two. And this was true uh, with, with the every other month arm as well, uh, typically a little bit less pronounced, uh, particularly in the oak study, um, but we saw it in both monthly and every other month. So how big of, a, of an effect was this? Well, the slow, um, the, the increase in proportion of slow growers increased 13% in Derby and actually 80% in Oaks. And the reduction of of your likelihood of being in that fastest growing quartile went down 33% in Derby and 43% in Oaks. So a pretty pretty kind of, I think, significant shift from that fastest growing phenotype towards those slower growing uh, phenotypes. More impressive, of course, in Oaks than in Derby, but uh, something we found to be true in both of those.
0: Did you analyze the characteristic of the, uh, of the lesions in terms of size or location relative to the fovea?
1: Uh, well, so uh, we did kind of, um, not it's kind of net distance from the phobia. They're actually, uh, they are analyzing that right now because we do believe that might be an important factor. But well, we looked at six characteristics that we know affect um, faster progression or slower progression greater GA lesion size, which typically increases the risk of progression, presence of bilateral GA, greater low luminance deficit. Those three factors tend to increase your risk of progression. And we looked at three factors that slow down the risk of progression, the foveal uh, lesion location, so did it involve the fovea, unifocal lesions versus multifocal, and more intermediate or large drusen. And we found actually that this was, um, that these factors held true. You were more, if you have them, you are more likely to be either in the kind of fastest progressing group or, or, or for those factors that reduce your likelihood in the slowest progression group. So we, it helped us feel a little bit more confident that this cor- type of quartile analysis is a legitimate way to analyze the effect because it really holds true for many of these factors that we know already impact. Uh, the growth made of GI.
0: Very interesting. So, uh, any change in um, the 12 to 18 month data in terms of lesion growth rate?
1: Yes, and actually, I presented that uh, at ARVO back in in May in Denver, where we looked at. Um, where we looked at the growth rates from zero to six months, six to 12 months, and 12 to 18 months. And there what you see is kind of an acceleration in the magnitude of the effect. So over time, you're actually preserving more and more retina. And a lot of, you know, Derby in its primary endpoint, the month 12 endpoint, just missed um, statistical significance in the Derby study. I think it was uh, around 0.06 instead of the 0.05 threshold. Uh, But when we do that analysis by every six month period, we see that most of the kind of underperformance in Derby was due to the fact that it seemed to make very little difference in the first six months of treatment. After six months, you actually do start to see a difference in Um, in the treated eyes versus the sham treated eyes. And that difference then by months 12 to 18 actually really starts to match uh, very similar to the results we see in oaks and frankly the results we saw in the Philly study as well. So I think to my mind, it just points to the fact that GA is a very heterogeneous disease. There's a lot we know, but there's even more that we don't know. And for whatever reason, in the first six months of Derby, those patients, um, you know, kind of the the curves really almost overlap entirely between treated and untreated eyes or sham treated eyes. And so, you know, my sense is that probably represents um, some factors that we just aren't accounting for that we don't know about yet uh, in this disease.
0: Do you anticipate that the 24-month data will be any different than this?
1: I think it'll continue to show... um, The same trend. I think what will be really interesting is at month 24, not only will will we get all of this anatomic data, and my expectation is we'll see the curves continue to separate, but at month 24, we're also going to start to get a look at the functional results. What's happening to the change, not just in BCVA, which is probably more of a safety outcome than an efficacy outcome, but things like low luminance, visual acuity, reading speed microperimetry, and I think it would be phenomenal if we're able to kind of match the uh, anatomic results that we're seeing with some sort of functional endpoint, because as clinicians, yes, it's nice to be able to tell the patient sitting in front of us, hey, if we start this treatment in a year or two, we're going to have slowed the growth of these lesions. But I think it's even more powerful if we're going to be able to say, hey, at two years from now, you're going to be able to read 30% faster than you otherwise would have been able to read.
0: And I think that's something that
1: really makes a difference to people.
0: Oh, that's impressive. Thanks a lot, thanks a lot Roger, for the update. And uh, we'll be finding out a lot more about this very shortly.
1: Yeah, I think uh, AAO this year is going to have a lot of great uh, data, both from Ampelis, but also from, uh, I think, Iveric will have its gather two year one results for its C5 inhibitor um and so it should be a good meeting
0: thank you roger uh, I pleasure. We'll, we'll welcome you back soon
1: all right talk to you later.